he was at the entrance of a magnificent cavern, of an oval shape, once probably of a huge natural reservoir of water, now the great palace hall of the goblins. It rose to a tremendous height, but the roof was composed of such shining materials, and the multitude of torches carried by the goblins, who crowded the floor, lighted up the place so brilliantly that Curdie could see to the top quite well. But he had no idea how immense the place was until his eyes had got accustomed to it, which was not for a good many minutes. The rough projections on the walls, and the shadows thrown upwards from them by the torches, made the sides of the chamber look as if they were crowded with statues upon brackets and pedestals, reaching in irregular tiers from floor to roof. The walls themselves were, in many parts, of gloriously shining substances, some of them gorgeously coloured besides, which powerfully contrasted with the shadows. Curdie could not help wondering whether his rhymes would be of any use against such a multitude of goblins as filled the floor of the hall, and indeed felt considerably tempted to begin his shout of one, two, three. But, as there was no reason for routing them, and much for endeavouring to discover their designs, he kept himself perfectly quiet, and peering round the edge of the doorway, listened with both his sharp ears. At the other end of the hall, high above the heads of the multitude, was a terrace-like ledge of considerable height, caused by the receding of the upper part of the cavern wall. Upon this sat the king and his court. The king, on a throne hollowed out of a huge block of green copper ore, and his court upon lower seats around it. The king had been making them a speech, and the applause which followed it was what Curdie had heard. One of the court was now addressing the multitude. What he heard him say was to the following effect. Hence it appears that two plans have been for some time together working in the strong head of his majesty for the deliverance of his people. Regardless of the fact that we were the first possessors of the regions they now inhabit, regardless equally of the fact that we abandoned that region from the loftiest motives, regardless also of the self-evident fact that we excel them so far in mental ability as they excel us in stature, they look upon us as a degraded race and make a mockery of all our finer feelings. But the time has almost arrived when, thanks to His Majesty's inventive genius, it will be in our power to take a thorough revenge upon them once and for all, in respect of their unfriendly behaviour. "'May it please your Majesty,' cried a voice close by the door, which Curdie recognised as that of the goblin he had followed. "'Who is it that interrupts the Chancellor?' cried another voice from near the throne. "'Glump!' "'answered several voices. "'He is our trusty subject,' said the king himself, "'in a slow and stately voice. "'Let him come forward and speak.' "'Lane was parted through the crowd, "'and Glump, having ascended the platform and bowed to the king, "'spoke as follows. "'Sire, I would have held my peace, "'had it not known that I only knew how near was the moment "'to which the Chancellor had just referred.' In all probability, before another day is past, the enemy will have broken through into my house. 
the partition between being even now not more than a foot in thickness. Not quite so much, thought Curdie to himself, 